Welcome to Slowly But Never Backwards. My name is Jillian and this is a mental health and wellness podcast. Um, I'm here today with a flow artist, mother, wife, and breast cancer survivor, Natasha Fisher. And we're going to talk today about cancer and mental wellness. Okay. Hi, Natasha. Hello, Jillian. So I kind of wanted to talk to you because you have been one of my idols for a long time for a couple of reasons. You've just... You're, you're so free-spirited, and you always have this laid-back attitude about things, and I like how you approach life. And with me going through my own cancer battles, it's it's been nice looking back on how you, you approached your cancer battle. And I kind of wanted to talk to you how, how you did that and, and maybe get it down so other people can use it as well. Um, so I kind of want to start with asking kind of about what your life was pre-diagnosis. Ooh, okay. Well, hello, Jillian, <laughs> and hello, everybody out there in the podcast world. Um, what was my life like before my diagnosis? Um, well, uh, I worked. Okay, all right. I uh, worked for the city of Midland in uh, the housing department. I um, helped low-income senior citizens find affordable housing. And it was very fulfilling. I, I feel like it was the best job in, in the city. Um, my children were young, and at that point, uh, my hours were while they were at school. And so uh, I was a little stressed out and crazy trying to balance work. And, you know, I spent all day at work. I, I'd get home and I'd be so tired and then I'd have to be like a mom and uh, and there was just really I felt like there was nothing left and so really my life was kind of uh, I was depressed a lot and I just I was stressed and I felt like I was giving everything just a teeny tiny piece and and nothing was getting anywhere near a hundred percent I feel like that happens a lot with pre-cancer diagnoses, even with me or in my, my mom, she had cancer as well. Life seems to be really, really chaotic before you get that diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, for sure. The diagnosis, <laughs> like, it, uh, boy, it sets your priorities straight because you realize all this shit that you're carrying around, all these things you thought were important become not important right and you find out what really is important it, and it, it does change you yes absolutely I, I definitely I noticed with my mom too she she uh, she said she started putting like family first a lot more um, she started living living her life what she found was more enjoyable did you find yourself doing that too or or um, what, what happened once you got your diagnosis okay um, so a little backstory is uh, um, similar to you. Right before my diagnosis, there we lost somebody to cancer um, eight months previous, and this was my husband's father, who um, I loved. He was 
my children's best friend. He uh, was the very hands-on grandpa. He blew his shoulder out twice giving the kids airplane rides, you know, when they were much too big. He never told them no. Um, he was a soft-spoken, uh, he was an, an accountant, and, uh, you know, he had retired a few years back. But um, So he uh, got diagnosed with uh, cancer of uh, the duodenum, so it's like down there, the lower part of your stomach. Mm -hmm. And um, he had like this really uh, extreme surgery where they just cut you in half and they go down and take it out and then they sew you back up. And um, the aftercare from that surgery is why he died. He did not die of cancer per se. It's he didn't survive the surgery. And because he was such a healthy guy, it took him three months to die. Mm -hmm. And it was horrible. He was down in Ann Arbor. And, and uh, I saw my mother-in-law cry for the first time since I had had my last baby. Um, saw my husband turn into somebody that he wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, and we we lost a big part of our, our lives and our family. So, so on top of the grief of losing <laughs> such a strong yes. figure in your life, you were losing. You were also dealing with the loss and grief of so many aspects of your own personal life. Oh, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot, and and I went into protect mode. You know, um, I'm somebody who feels responsible for the people that I love, and um, and so I was just like trying to make sure that my husband and my children and my mother-in-law could get through this you know what I whatever I could do to help and I had just lost my mom like two years before that um so anyway so he he dies and you know takes forever and just horrible and uh eight months later well actually I felt the lump I felt the lump at the beginning of summer and little backstory on this is uh the lump where they finally found cancer was my third biopsy. I have very, yeah. I had very dense, very lumpy breasts, and um, but anytime a lump didn't hurt, that's what you have to remember. If you have lumpy boobs, if your lumps hurt, you're good. Okay, you're good. It's those lumps that show up and don't hurt. Those are the ones that is you need to get yourself into the doctor, and and you need to demand an ultrasound and and let those people take it from there you gotta take your body seriously you do i've i've ignored mine way too long i've i my doctor found mine during an annual exam make sure you get your your like physicals yes. too <clears throat> he just checked my throat he's like how long has that been there for i was like what i let it go for three months and then i was starting to have a hard time sleeping like it was starting to cut off my airway and got so big Wow. Um, so I went in and got the bias. I, I never thought it was going to be cancer. I'm 27. I didn't think it was right. going to happen yet. But it, it, it grew so quickly. Yeah. So it, it, once, once it was caught, we were able to luckily deal with it. But I, what would so, they do with you next? So, so I, I found the lump at the beginning of summer, but we had just lost my father-in-law. And here we are coming into summer 
where we can just do our summer things, you know, because, you know, we go to Bliss Fest and we go to the Sol. We have these festivals that we do. And I was like, well, I've been down this route before. It can wait. I'll keep an eye on it. So, so then in August, and this is so weird. So in August, I'm at work and it's the end of August. And my coworker brings me into her office and she goes, I just want to tell you that, um, I have breast cancer and, you know, this is what I know so far and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, and she said something that I wanted to bring up um, at some point. She said, I am not a pink ribbon relay for life person. She said, I am not going to go to these functions. I'm not, she's like, this is my cancer and I'm handling it my way. And that stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's right. You don't, if you're not a pink ribbon person, you don't have to be a pink ribbon person just cause, right. you know? So in that conversation, I said, you know, I've had this lump. I'm like, maybe I should go get it checked out. I've been putting it off cause of summer. I'm like, I'll go get it checked out. She you, was like, you've Girl. inspired me. She's like, go get it checked out. So I did. And, um, long story short, the lump that took me into to make the appointment the lump that got me into get the ultrasound um was not where they found the cancer okay and now because i had already been on the every six month ultrasound mammogram train for the last couple years it didn't take them long to see to put everything together and see the growth okay. and and see you know how it was forming and everything and so they did the biopsy, and um, it comes back um, something in, in, oh, I need something to drink, something in C2. And what that means, thank you, what that means is that they thought it was just uh, confined to the milk duct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... All right, and then, um, uh, so the next step was, what are we going to do about it? Are we just going to do a lumpectomy? Are we going to remove the breast? What are we going to do? Right, so, so even before you did treatment, I kind of want to go through kind of just the motions of it because we are a mental health podcast. Um, I, I have a great book that I'd like to go over. Um, it gives us a bunch of um, different ways of helping to deal with cancer. One that's called um, Cancer, Now What? Taking Action, Finding Hope, and Navigating the Journey Ahead by Kenneth C. Hague. Oh, I can't even pronounce this. H-A-U-G-K. Hoke. Hoke. Thank you, Natasha. But in there, it talks about aftershock getting the diagnosis because it it's a, it's a, it's a big emotional trauma. Um, first, they say is shock and disbelief, and, and absolutely, you, you I, I was shocked because I, like I said, I didn't think I was going to have that, and, and you probably weren't expecting that kind of diagnosis either. You know, after I had the biopsy, I just I knew I had it at that point. After after this one, yeah, and when I got the call. I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. Oh, I definitely knew it with the call too. Yeah. When the, when the doctor calls and say we need to see you, the doctor wants to make an appointment for the next morning. You just know, and I feel like I, I wish there was a better way of 
giving that news or, or going about that too. Cause that's, I feel like that's jarring in itself. You know, I was lucky because I went through the, uh, women's, uh, uh, breast health center at mid Michigan up in Midland. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she called me and gave me the diagnosis right on the phone. I, I made my, so that my was, doctor do that too. I was like, wait, really like, no, nice. just tell me what the news yeah, is. I was like, just tell me. I'm That's like, good. I'm like, I'm all right. That's good. Cause a lot of people get that news in the, in the office and they're just in such shock that they don't even know what to ask the, their doctors or things like that. I, maybe, I wish there was a better way of going about it, but next they, next, next natural thing is, is fear. And, and what I did, I can, I immediately compared my case to every single case that I, I, I knew of like my, comparing my case to my mom, comparing my case to you, comparing my case to my grandfather. I feel like we do that a lot. And I bet you did that too with you just losing your father-in-law. You know what? I did the opposite. Oh, I, uh, the, my first thought was I'm not going to die from this. I'm not Good. going to be like them. I'm That's not awesome. going to die from this. And, uh, and then my, seriously, then my second thought was, how do I protect my family from this? So sometimes the fear isn't even necessarily for yourself. It's, it's, it's it, how yes. it's going to affect your, yes, everyone around that, you. That was my fear. My fear was, oh my God, them, not me. Cause mm -hmm. I knew I wasn't going to die. I nobody dies from this. This was just a little piece of cancer. It was long time coming. Exactly. We've been keeping an eye on, on the stuff. And, and so I was just like, no, this is why I'm I've been be going to what's going to happen to everyone else. <laughs> How, right, exactly. I went, yeah, I just, I clicked over into like, okay, I've got to protect them. And then that segues over into guilt, like, uh, oh my goodness, because of my cancer, this is now going to affect my family this way, or there's a lot of guilt that comes over something that you have absolutely no control over. You know, I think the guilt came, I don't know if I felt guilt. Yeah. I don't know if I felt guilty over it. Good. I, you, you handled your cancer very I, emotionally, I maturely, it, man. I, I handled it because I'm able to compartmentalize things because I have a lot of trauma in my background. So I'm really good at trauma. So I'll have you back on for another episode right, for sure. Right, exactly. So, um, but I will tell you because I chose to handle it with humor and, and I, and, and I was just, I wouldn't let anybody feel bad about it. I did paint myself into a corner. And so when I did need that support, when I wasn't just being bravado and strong shoulders, and this is, you know, Wonder Woman, Natasha, um, there really wasn't, you know, I don't feel like I had the support that I needed when I finally did need it because I had just orchestrated how I wanted everybody to react to it so much that like, you know, I was always just like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I called it cancer light. I'm like, I have cancer light. It's, you yep, know, that's, that's why I have to ease cancer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and so I just, I, I feel like I was, I convinced everybody into an area of like, she's fine. Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's how that segues beautifully into loneliness because because yeah. you feel like because you're doing this no one knows the type of cancer you're going because they can't really relate to you or things like that but also um friends and family members 
I like the quote in here, friends and family members may try to be, you know, waverly positive and upbeat, but it can actually prevent those with cancer from sharing how they actually feel. See, I was that person. I did that to myself. I did that to my mom. Absolutely. Like, she tried to get so down on herself, but it was like, no, you gotta be safe, positive. Positivity is the key. But sometimes people need to feel what they need to feel, and that's a, that's a rough balance. Oh, it is. It is. Because if you make yourself, if you fake it till you make it for too long, you're gonna snap. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's really what happened for me because like I I chose to handle it with um, a lot of humor and a lot of downplaying it and a lot of you know I'm not gonna die and I'm gonna be okay and and hey you know I get these new tits out of it and you know but then when people started like being like oh man you know nice tits you know you're lucky or whatever it's like okay uh, let me let me back pedal here and and let me remind everybody that this is much different than an augmentation choice, right this is not a boob job when you get a boob job they cut you open they insert an implant they sew you up me they scraped me out they scraped all the fat they took like Dissection, uh, man. 11 lymph nodes from my right arm like i can never get uh uh, the blood pressure cuff on this and when I fly I'm gonna have to get a compression sleeve Man. because of the empty the empty space that's left when they take the lymph nodes out you know I've got my scarring you know my 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 plastic surgeon was an artist and they are beautiful and I had nipple sparing and so they look beautiful and I did lose one nipple like one nipple is flat and one nipple is just always sticking out but you know what they didn't match before so it's like whatever okay I mean he was like we can fix that I was like they're fine I'm not gonna be a boob model I'm married you know for god's sake I just wanted you know I was just always trying to find the positive in, in you know yes this is a shitty situation but you know what sure give give me some c's Give me some big tits for the first time in my life, you know? Okay. So. You, you made the best out of the situation, always. Yes. That's, that's why I yes. always like watching your story, for sure. But it is it is lonely when people don't remember the struggle that it took to get to the humor and the happiness. Yeah. It, it, it takes a lot, a lot of work to even be like that. You know, my daughter, about two years ago. So this, uh, I was diagnosed in 2015. And so it's been... Oh, let me see, like three and a half years. Um, and uh, about a year and a half ago, somebody said something and, you know, how are you doing or whatever. And my daughter goes, oh, yeah, I forgot you had cancer. And on the one hand, I was like, mission accomplished, because I was trying to keep them from being traumatized. I did not want them to think I was going to die like Grandpa did, yep. you know? And then on the other hand, I was like, that's a perfect example of how I painted myself into a corner of loneliness and, like, I'm by myself and nobody gets that. It, it was still very scary and traumatizing. I just ingested that. Yes, yes. I, my mom was the same way. So, talking about um, internalizing emotions and whatnot, uh, you also do that because of you're dealing with um, grief and loss. Right. And uh, another quote I like from here, 
Um, cancer can trigger a number of significant losses, including loss of health, physical functioning, independence, the ability to work, a sense of normalcy, or future plans. And that definitely is 100% the case. Like, like I know that um, with me, like I, I stopped, I stopped working. Um, I, I right, right now, I'm really not sure if I even want to go back to the field I was even in because I don't know. I feel like I don't really have a sense of future right now. And right. and I know I don't have that serious of a cancer, but it kind of still does that to you because you're just uncertain of what the next thing ever is going to be. Absolutely. <laughs> Even when it is cancer light, it's, you know, it kind of for, for a little while there, it kind of made me feel like, well, if I can get cancer of this, right, you know, if my body has already shown that it can mess up somewhere along the line, you know, what does that mean? Absolutely. You know? That's definitely, that's something I would definitely worry about, too. I don't know if you have cancer that runs in your family, uh, multiples, or, but my family's absolutely riddled with it, so now I'm like, okay, what's next? What's next? Right. See, and, and we're not, like, so, Go ahead. you know, that was another thing that was like, okay, I'm, I'm probably not going to, you know, this was a, a fluke, you know, but, but still, I did... One thing I really did was, for some reason, I had to have an answer of why did I get cancer? Because, and maybe it's because there was none in my family. Mm -hmm. Why did I get cancer? And then, of course, I was like, well, it's my lifestyle. It's because I did this. It's because I was on the pill for so long, you know? But, mm -hmm. but I was like, but I breastfed for a year, and that's supposed to, like, you know? So it was just kind of weird. Like, I, I, needed to, I think maybe I blamed myself for getting cancer, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, maybe. How did you get over that kind of feeling like you, the anger at yourself of feeling like that you caused that for yourself? Like, how did you get back to loving yourself and living the best life for yourself then? It's taken a really long time because I kind of went because I'm, I'm rebellious by nature, and I'm an anti-authoritarian by nature, I kind of flipped the switch, and I was like, well, fuck it. I started eating meat. I started smoking cigarettes more. I stopped using sunscreen. I got my first DUI. You know, I just kind of was like, fuck it. You know, it's, it's weird. It made me... It didn't make me go, I mean. With a bad sense of YOLO, man. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of made me go, well, fuck it. I got cancer, you know, and right. so fuck it. You know, I was living good. Right. I felt like I was living good. I felt like I was making the right choices. You know, I haven't used, and I started using antiperspirant again. I hadn't used antiperspirant in like 15 years because it can cause cancer, yep. right? And, and. I was like, well, fuck it. So I got the dry idea. Like, I don't sweat at all now, you know? It's mm -hmm. just like, it, it, it triggered that in me. And, and maybe it's because, now that I'm thinking about it and processing it, maybe it's because I never let anybody take it seriously. Okay. Because no one ever took your cancer seriously? Yeah, because I okay. wouldn't let anybody take my cancer. So then I was just kind of like, I don't know, just a, a rebel about it. And it's just like, fuck it, you know? 
but I'm coming back. Okay. But I did live like that for, you know. What helped you make the change back, you think? Oh. Because you do, you do want to live the YOLO, I'm, I'm, I'm dying anyway, so right, might as right. well yeah. do all the fun it's, things and indulge. Exactly, yes, but, yes. But you, like, I, I, you, when I was, when I went to the mental hospitals, you're not allowed to have any of those bad things. So you realize how good it is for you to not be like that. So my, eventually when I do come back to a good, healthy lifestyle and all that good stuff, it's going to be because I've, I've known what it was like because I was forced into it. What was it for you? Um, I think tied along with everything that was going on is my anxiety and depression um, I just, and I, I don't know if I associated it with cancer, but, um, oh, well, okay. So when I, I had to take all this time off work for my surgeries and so we lived without my paycheck. So I was like, if we can survive without my paycheck is for two months and we're okay, I don't want to go back because I cannot give them every good thing that I have and come home and have nothing for the people that I love. And that changed. That totally changed me. Now, I was riding high and being strong and feeling good, but the reality of being at home and the tremendous amount of responsibility that I felt by being home, okay, now the house has to be clean. Mm -hmm. Now the yard has to be a certain way. Now I have to have a garden. Now I have to do all these things that I said I would do if I didn't work. A whole right? new set of expectations. A whole new set of expectations. Then my, you know, my, my children, you know, our young teenagers, they were having their issues. And I totally, like, took those issues and just made them a part of mine. And, and so I was severely depressed for about a year. It was, you know, last year at the uh, hoop retreat, I just cried and cried and cried at the woman's circle because I was just like, oh, I'm I had to let it out because I hadn't really let it out. And I, that was a safe place and I just did it. So around October or November, I had this shift in my thinking. And what it was is I thought if, if I was reading about my life in a book, if I was reading this book about Natasha's life, would I feel the same way about the main character as I do about myself right now? Would I say, wow, Natasha, what a piece of shit. You know, she's a horrible mom. She's horrible wife. She doesn't do anything. She's lazy. You know, would, would I say that about this main character? The things that I say to myself? Right. And the answer was no. The answer was absolutely fucking not. No right. way. No way I would be yelling at that character, get your head out of your ass because you need to change your perspective. What you're focusing on all the wrong things, all the wrong things. And, and that 
that did it for me. I, I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm, I was punishing myself. And I stopped punishing myself at that minute. Sometimes you can punish yourself by indulging yourself in, in, weird, in a weird way, yeah. Absolutely. So having just grab, grabbing that outside perspective and looking in. I, I read something on Facebook the other day that said, um, don't say anything that, that your daughter, like you wouldn't say to your daughter. God, and you know, and that's the truth because I treat myself worse than anybody. Right. Worse than I put myself last. I'll put anybody in front of me. You know, it's, I just, I feel responsible for everybody's happiness except for my own, you know, but mm -hmm. I do, I'm different now. I'm definitely, I'm in a much better place than I was six months ago, for sure. That's awesome. So um, what kind of coping strategies did you kind of use during this time? Um, I discovered how important friends are. You know, um, people can put on Facebook thoughts and prayers all they want. Your friends are the ones that show up. And it's those people, you know, people that I didn't necessarily expect, you know, showed up and, and uh, it put me in a position of accepting that kindness and accepting that love and uh it, you know accepting helps from the hardest parts of, of, of cancer in my opinion oh man. my god it's it very humbling is, it is <laughs> it is you know because i because still i always try to talk people out of how they feel about me or my experience you know i i, I want to talk you out of it and and you know mary kreza was uh we got very close over over this because she is somebody that uh, wouldn't let me blow it off. I'd blow it off to her, and she'd just be like, "No, how are you? How are you?" Yeah, actually? she's like, "No, it's this is crazy, and it's scary, right? And you're gonna cry, and it's okay to cry, you know, and and so you never know who's gonna come out of the woodwork and like." give you wisdom venting and support systems man definitely definitely key through all this um i know you're flow water so you got you got super into hooping at that time i feel i did i did that's when i really uh once i was able to chest hoop again you know and i uh that was like holy shit i'm gonna be okay I'm going to be okay because I can chest tube. I got my chest back, you know, because yeah. like up to that point, I was like, oh man, am I ever going to be able to do this? Is it ever going to be right? Cause you know, my arms wouldn't go straight up. I had to do, you know, physical therapy to like make sure that I could do this. Cause the muscles just want to contract. They want to, they want to make you, you know, give you T-Rex arms. Yeah. And uh, so that was, that was very inspiring. Once I got that, I was like, all right. And then my hoops got smaller and I started doing more what I call butterfly hooping, where it's like more off body and more tricks right and on. stuff. And uh, yeah, so it, I, I threw myself into that in the hooping community because, you know, I, I reached out when I got uh, 
breast cancer, I figured, all right, there's got to be a Hooper cancer support group, right? Mm -hmm. There has to be. And I looked around, and I couldn't find one. And I'm like, okay. But I did get hooked up with a few Hoopers, um, uh, Sin Pinkert and uh, Baby Jane, uh, two cancer survivors. And, uh, and they were like, if there's no group, make a group. And so I started the Facebook page, uh, C is for Circle. You know, and, and that, and, and my responsibility for that, it was very healing. It was very healing because it, it just kept me going. It kept me getting up and moving and getting used to my new body, you know, because, because not only did I have the surgeries, it's like now I had like more up top than I did before. And, and I'm numb. I'm completely numb. It's like there's no, like from here to here and like the backs of my arms are numb. So it's like I... It's a weird, it's a weird it's, sensation. It's a weird sensation, and it, you just have to get used to it. Right. You know. Okay. That's awesome. Um, so, how has cancer changed your life for the better or for the worse? Oh, I think it changed it for the better. Definitely for the better. Um, it's been a long road because I had depression and anxiety before the cancer. Um, but I feel that uh, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud. I'm proud of how I handled it. I'm proud that I protected my children. I'm proud that uh, I'm proud of how I protected my mother-in-law and my husband. And uh, you know, and I just, I just didn't. I didn't let. I didn't let it be a negative. I was just like, ah, oh, shit, here's another, here's another bump along the way. We just got to get over it. And, you know, I'm going to try to, try to gain whatever positive, I'm going to squeeze whatever positive I can out of this situation because I know it's not going to kill me. Right. And, you know, and maybe, and it probably would be not very different if I did know it was going to kill me. I think I would still be like, all right, well, let me squeeze the positive as much as I can out of it, you know? That's awesome. Okay. Um, so I'm last kind of serious question I'm going to ask uh, advice for people like me who are kind of just trying to get through this still and feel like life's not going to get back to normal. Any general advice that you could give us? Well, number one, normal is a moving target. Okay, normal is the waves on the sea. It's not a flat plain. It's not a mountain that you climb and you get to the top and now things are normal. Normal evolves. And, you know, you in six months, you're not going to be the same person that you are today. And your sense of normal will be a different thing than what you're thinking normal is right now. You know, normal moves, you know, and uh, I think that's important, you know. I think it's important to forgive yourself for your cancer. I think it's important to uh, know that you didn't cause it. I don't care if you smoked three packs a day, you know, 
okay, you may have you you did cause the cancer, but you you didn't you weren't <laughs> trying to hurt yourself or anybody, right? So yeah, you got to forgive yourself. And then I think, you know, like my coworker said, your cancer is your cancer and how you need to process it is your right and everybody needs to make room for it, you know? And, you know, just because I laughed about it and I made jokes about it, you know, to, there are a few people I took aside and I said, you know, I know you lost somebody you love and I hope you know that I'm not making fun and, I, and cancer is not a joke, it's not. But this is how I have to process it. I have to, I have to make it something I can laugh about, you know? And uh, no one ever made me feel bad about that. And, and uh, you know, so I think what you're doing with your art and the way you're expanding out in the different media of art, I think is fantastic. And I support that. And I'm glad that I can be here today and be a part of that and, and help help support that because that's something I, I fully believe in is, you know, this is your cancer. You do it the way you're going to do it. Well, and I really thank you for coming on and, and, and talking with me about all this. And, and I don't want to end on, on uh, too serious of a note, so I have a couple of random questions for you. Um, what's the chore that you hate doing? The chore? Yep. Oh, I hate cleaning the toilet. That's the... Oh. <laughs> let's deal with shit. I hate that. I hate it. And, and so I, the joke is, you know, after I clean the bathroom, I'm contaminated and I can't touch anything. I have to immediately shower. It's like so gross. I hate it. Oh, understandable. What's your favorite sound? Oh. Oh, okay. The first one that pops in my head is um, that guitar, the guitar squeal on uh, Sober by Tool. That <laughs> That's one of my favorite sounds in the whole world. Oh, I, ooh, that wakes me up. I'm going to have to put a sound clip of that in there for sure. For sure. Um, what's something that you've learned in the past month? Oh, in the past month, um, where are we? Okay, um, oh, one thing I've learned is uh, date your spouse. Date your spouse. Date your spouse. Date your spouse because the day-to-day -day hard, hard, hard work, responsibility, toilet cleaning, laundry, all of that stuff, you got to date your spouse. Brian and I just got back from a B&B, &B and it was awesome. I'm like, we need to do this every year. That's great. Awesome. So, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, okay. I think that's all I have for today. Thank you so much again for coming on thank and you. talking with me. Thank you. you I did love great. you. Thank you. Um, thank you. I want to thank everyone who listened today. Thank you for your attention. I know there's a lot of different podcasts out there to listen to, and the fact that you spent the last 40 minutes listening to us, that's amazing. Please like, comment, and subscribe if you want to hear from more of us, or wait, <laughs> hear more from us. And please contact me if you want to be a guest. I'd love to come have you come on and talk and ramble with us. So, Oh, and come on. Her place is great. Yay. Yep, thank you guys. And remember, take life slowly but never backwards. Produced by Jillian Francis. Music by Zodiac Shift.